Well, presentation number two will be on Christmas Eve. You can come back and join us again and watch that little skit. Wasn't that great? Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, well, the children are preparing to leave with their leaders for their little uh, study time, and today we're going to stay in here and have our little Christmas message. But let me start by telling you this, that my coworkers have labeled me as the Grinch. Now, obviously, they have not seen the Santa Paul sweater. Okay, they haven't seen this adoring little thing because this is cute, right? Yeah. I mean, and when I come in, everybody kept telling me how cute it was. It wasn't part of the ugly sweater contest, but to me, it was completely ugly. So they haven't seen this. But they've been referring to me then for weeks now. I mean, ever since, like, after Thanksgiving, they've been thinking of me and calling me the Grinch, which is not accurate. I mean, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas except Santa Claus. I greatly dislike Santa Claus. Sheila cautioned me. She warned me. She said, Kurt, do not say that you hate Santa Claus. Just tell him you dislike Santa Claus. Because I do. I dislike Santa. But let me explain because I know that may get me a little bit of hot water. I've watched to make sure most of the children have left. But I dislike Santa. And it all started, like I said, after Thanksgiving. Whenever we were at school, we had the Thanksgiving decorations up, and then they were talking about Christmas, which I love Christmas, and they said, go ahead and start decorating, and I thought, well, I mean, I'm driving the bus anyway in the early in the morning, and I thought, well, they can do the decorating. I'll come in and kind of look it over a little bit and maybe give some you know, input, like, like a man does. We wait until everything's over, and we come in and offer our guidance at the end, right? That's what we do. Let the women do it, because we can't do it right anyway. So we, I let them do it. The, I work with every, I'm the only man there. All other others are women. So I watch, and I let them decorate. They come in afterwards and ask me the question, what do you think of decorations? Well, I told them I like it, because honestly, I did. I mean, I could tell that some creativity went into it, which I don't have. And I could tell they made snowflakes out of coffee filters and had this cute little decoration up, and it did look good. So they continued to, you know, ask about the decorations, and I said, you know, I like them. But, but then all of a sudden, I couldn't resist, because there's these pictures of Santa there, and Frosty, and all this stuff, so I finally could not resist. And I said, but you have Santa Claus. Well, yeah, we got to have Santa Claus. I said, no, we do not need Santa Claus. I don't like Santa Claus. And you would think I cursed their mother when I said that. And so they said, well, why don't you like Santa Claus? I said, because he's a fake. He's a phony. He's a fraud. I just greatly dislike him. And they said, really? You really don't like Santa Claus? I mean, why? Why would you, why would you dislike Santa Claus? So I replied now with a little mixture of sarcasm and a little bit of attitude. And I said, he is a glory hog. It's all about him. He takes all the attention for himself. He comes in the big red fire truck with a ho, 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 and a red suit, drawing all the attention to himself. When he has done absolutely nothing, nothing to receive any glory and fame and accolade that he thinks he deserves. He's a fake. He's a phony. He's a fraud. And I think they were stunned that I would say this about Santa Claus. So I kind of waited and waited, and the days passed then into several weeks, and 
Every once in a while they say something about Santa, and I still have my rant going that he's a fake, a phony fraud, and all that kind of stuff. And they call me the Grinch once again, but they couldn't understand. So they finally come to the question, after I had played for weeks the role of the Grinch, and they said, do you really, do you really dislike, hate Santa? Or are you just playing? So finally I responded, no, I, 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 I mean, I'm okay with Santa. I mean, our children grew up thinking about Santa Claus. And, but I just don't like the fact that he receives credit for something that he has nothing to do about. I mean, it's not about Santa. It's all about Christ. So now I'm thinking, I just went there. In school, I just crossed the line to talk about Jesus in the school area. I said, you know, Santa, he comes in, he kind of steals all the thunder, and all the focus is upon him rather than the focus being upon the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they begin to get it. That I really don't hate Santa. I mean, okay, he is what he is. But I really like the focus this time of the year, people, the man who deserves the focus and the credit and the accolades and the glory. I mean, it's not his birthday. It's not Santa's birthday. It's not Santa-mas. It is Christ-mas. It's his birthday. It's for his glory. And he should get the record, the accolades and the fame, and the glory. It's all about Jesus, right? It's Jesus is the most perfect, wonderful, indescribable gift given to mankind. And he should receive all the attention for the season that we know as Christmas. So what rant over for just a little bit, our text today alludes to this truth. The text is very, very brief. In fact, it's just one verse. Allow me to read it for you. It's from Paul's writing to the church, Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, he simply says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all your blessings you give to us. Lord, we recognize our children today coming and giving us a Christmas message is itself a blessing. Lord, today, as we enter a time of message pertaining to Christmas, we pray that all of us here, Lord, will surely understand what Christmas is about, as the children have also conveyed that to us. But as we understand truly what Christmas is about, that we would take that word, we would take that message, and preach it and teach it to the world. Because, Lord, honestly, it seems the world is confused. So, Lord, take this today as we have this reminder about Christmas, and allow us then to be bold and courageous enough to tell people the reason we celebrate this season. Thank you, Lord, for what shall happen here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, just so you know, I don't typically prepare a message based upon one verse. I mean, I have done upon occasions, special occasions such as this for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. But it's not normal for me to prepare a message based upon one verse. But any time we prepare a message of any kind, I always like to compare translations. And we preach from the English Standard Version. So our text from the ESV, again, says this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. But a comparison to other translations has some other adjectives, some other words that we can find there to help us understand truly the gift that we've been given. So in the NIV, the New American Standard and New Revised, it says, thanks 
speak to God for this indescribable gift. The New Living Translation, if you prefer it, you know it says, thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. The King James Version, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And the message, a looser translation of the scriptures, says, thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. So notice the variety of words are used here to express what we think is the inexpressible, perfect, the indescribable gift given to mankind. So as we think about the different translations, what Paul really is trying to convey here is a question we must ask ourselves. Like, what gift is Paul referring to? With all these multiple adjectives, ways to describe this gift, what gift is Paul referring to? Was Jesus Christ himself, of course. The gift given to all of mankind. He's telling us, based upon various translations, that Jesus truly is an inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable gift. I like the translation that says, He is a gift too wonderful for words, that no language can possibly praise Him enough. I believe all those adjectives, all those translations are accurate. Because Jesus is the perfect gift given to this world. But as we recognize that here, maybe already knew that when we came in, shouldn't the question be, or shouldn't we observe that, isn't it sad that the world does not celebrate Christmas for the reason that we do? How many people do you know that will celebrate Christmas just based upon the fact that they can get some gifts, or they maybe give one to somebody else? Or they truly think it might be about Santa, his reindeer, Frosty, not recognizing truly what it's about. It's sad that they steal the glory and the world does not celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. As in allowing Santa to be the emphasis rather than Jesus. If you're like me as Christians, as believers, we constantly have to remind people that Christmas is all about Jesus. Again, that's what the skit was for the kids this morning. Now, probably they learned as much as anybody else can learn about Christmas with that little Charlie Brown skit. That is all about Jesus. But we constantly have to convey that to people. The sad reality of the days we're living in. Remember years ago when I was living in Texas and the church we were attending, they made carb magnets. And they, they gave the carb magnets then during this time of the year to everybody in the church to put them on their truck or car, van or SUV, whatever you're driving, to put them on there to simply said, Jesus is the reason for the season. But isn't it sad that we have to resort to carb magnets? I mean, Christmas has become so commercialized that we have to go to carb magnets to a church members to display on the car to convey the real meaning of Christmas? I mean, Maybe it was a good idea, but it shows the desperation that really we're in to convey truly what Christmas is about. Again, repetitive, but Jesus is the perfect gift to the world. It is truly a gift too wonderful for words. As the text tells us today, whatever translation you may prefer, Jesus truly is an inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable gift the best gift we shall ever receive, the perfect gift. But let's flip the coin a little bit 
And let me just ask this morning a what if question. I mean, what if that gift was not given to us? What if God chose not to give the world to you and to me, to all of mankind? What if he chose not to give that perfect, inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable gift of Jesus? What if he chose not to give that to the world, to us? Where would you be in life? What kind of life would you be living if there was no such gift? And the question we entertain for the message today really then is this. What if Jesus had never been born? What if he'd just never been born? That's a horrible thought as a believer and as a Christian. But let's just think about it for a little while today and answer some questions pertaining to what if Jesus had never been born? Now, as we begin to toy about that and think about this week, I found a book that was actually written, the book title, was What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? It's written by D. James Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb. But here's what they wrote in the introduction of the book. They write, had Jesus never been born, this world would be far more miserable than it is. In fact, many of man's noblest and kindest deeds find their motivation and love for Jesus Christ. And some of our greatest accomplishments also have their origin and service rendered to the humble carpenter of Nazareth. Now, a little bit later on in the book, they begin to truly make their point when they state, Jesus Christ has had enormous impact, more than anyone else on history. Had he never come, the whole or the effect on people within the world would be a canyon about the size of a continent. Christ's influence on the world is immeasurable. And that's a great point. I mean, I cannot imagine, think about this. I cannot imagine what my life would be without Jesus Christ. Can you? I mean, where would we be truly? Jesus, and I'm sure for you too, as it is for me, has had a tremendous influence on all of our lives. So where would we be? How will we be living? If Jesus had never been born. It's rhetorical, but think about the question, what kind of impact has Jesus had on your life? Now, hopefully he's made a tremendous impact on your life. But Christianity Today, I found an article that suggested there are three essential impacts on Christians if Jesus had never been born. So we're going to entertain these three today and slightly discuss them. So here are the three essential impacts on Christians if Jesus had never been born. The first, we would not know what God is like. If Jesus had never been born, they said we would not know what God is like. Secondly, if Jesus had never been born, they said we would not, we would have no personal victory. And then thirdly, a lot like that second is the fact that we would have no universal victory. Those three impacts, they said, are upon Christians and believers. If Jesus had never been born, these are the impacts to us. So let's take a moment today and expand briefly upon the three. Again, the first is we would not know what God is like. Recognize that from the beginning of human history, mankind has been hungry to know who God is and what God is like. They always want to know who is God and what is God like. 
But fortunately for us, we know the Scripture reveals that we can know God. We can only know God truly through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus made that abundantly clear. In John 14, 9, He says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 10, 30, He said, I and the Father are one. So essentially, if Jesus had not come on Christmas, we would have no knowledge of what God is like. Because we know God truly through his son. But even further, we would not even understand how he could identify with us and how then we could relate to him if we're not for Jesus. We would not know what God is like without his son Jesus. That's the impact it would make if he has not been born. But a second impact we noted if Jesus had not been born is it would have no personal victory. Now, notice this impact is huge, because if Jesus had not come, there would be no salvation from sin. Every one of us practice and indulge in some sort of sin. So without Jesus, without him coming to take our sin, without Jesus, we'd be just wasting away in all of our wrongdoing without any hope and salvation and reconciliation to God. And I say, no, wait a minute, there was an Old Testament practice of offering sacrifices of those innocent animals. And that's true. In fact, in the account of the Lord's birth in Luke chapter 2, it is written that the shepherds were watching their sheep. You find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. But then suddenly an angel appeared to them, prepared to announce the birth of our Lord and Savior. But think about the sheep that the shepherds are watching that they're watching over by night. Recognize that most likely in due time, they'll be taken to Jerusalem and being offered as a sacrifice to God. So if we think about that further, what we could recognize is that while the Lamb of God, Jesus, was being born in the manger, lambs, other lambs were being prepared as a sacrifice, albeit an inferior and insufficient sacrifice, for the sins of the people of Israel because that's what they were accustomed to doing. But then comes Jesus and then no sacrifice was necessary. Once Jesus became the sacrifice and once Jesus paid the price for all of our sins, no other sacrifice was necessary. He fulfilled that. The writer of Hebrews expresses this truth. In Hebrews chapter 10, he says, for since the law has been but a shadow of the good things to come, Instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Look at verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So verse 5 through 7, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. In due time, after the birth of our Lord and Savior, this season we celebrate this particular time of the year, he became the perfect sacrifice for mankind. And no other sacrifice was ever necessary after the sacrifice of our Lord. So Jesus had not come, there would be essentially no salvation from sin which means we'd have no personal victory. 
And for the most part, we just wasted away in wrongdoing in our lives. And no telling where we would be. So also, there's that third impact for Christians and believers if Jesus had never been born. And that we would have no universal victory. And perhaps the point that makes that clear is in Isaiah chapter 9. That's a scripture that maybe helps us here. Is where to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I mean, Jesus has not yet returned to take his place properly as King of kings and Lord of lords. But we should never make a mistake. He shall return indeed. And when he does, every knee shall bow. Every knee of every government leader, every leader of every nation, all people, their knees shall bow. Paul has written in Romans 14, 11, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Also, it's written in the end that Jesus will come and take his place properly as King of kings and Lord of lords. In Revelation 19, John writes, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Verse 15, From his mouth comes a sharp sword which, with, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus will come and take his place as King of kings and Lord of lords. And it shall be our universal victory. So it's quickly going through some impacts, the three essential impacts on Christians. If Jesus had never been born, we would not know what God is like. We would have no personal victory, and we would have no universal victory. But we need to fear not, for Christ has come into the world. He came into the world, and God gave this his most perfect gift to mankind. It's why we celebrate this time of the year. He came into the world. He is the gift of all gifts to ever receive. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish of everlasting life. But verse 17 is also essential to know, is that for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order the world might be saved through him. He came for us. He came for you. He came for me. He came for mankind. It is why we celebrate this time of year. Jesus is the perfect gift given to this world. As the text was telling us, it truly is a gift too wonderful for words. Our featured text was 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God. Truly, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift that he's given us. Jesus truly is an inexpressible, indescribable, unspeakable gift. 
Have you truly accepted the gift given to mankind? Have you accepted and received the gift of all gifts? Dr. David Jeremiah maybe aptly sums the message for not only today, but for Christmas as a whole. He said, God's greatest gift is Jesus himself. And it's up to us to receive or decline this blessing as we give and receive gifts this Christmas. The theme of our heart should be this, our featured text. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. For whatever we receive this Christmas, even if we get something we love, excited about, if we get nothing at all, if we get coal, we get rocks, or maybe the greatest things is a pocket on the shirt. Whatever it is received this Christmas, there's nothing ever going to be better than the gift of all gifts, the one the Lord gave to us that we celebrate. It is the gift given to us, to all mankind, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We celebrate his birth. Father, Lord, we thank you for just a quick reminder this morning, Lord, of why we have the season, why we celebrate Today, Lord, we celebrate, recognize that it's all about Jesus. It's nothing about anybody else. It's not about us. It's not about Santa. It's all about Jesus. Let us convey to the world that it's all about Christ and the sacrifice that he offered, ultimately, to his death when he took our sin. So, Lord, today we just come and we just express our gratitude. As the verse we feature today tells us, thank you, God. Thank you for the inexpressible, indescribable, most perfect gift. A gift simply too wonderful for words. Thank you, Lord, so much for that gift you've given us. I pray all of us shall receive that gift. That all of our families shall receive that gift. Thank you for the gift of God. The love you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.